Good morning, a very warm welcome to you uh, this morning. Welcome if you are new to us, uh, welcome if you are well known to us. It's great to have you with us. Uh, welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus who welcomes us uh, to be able to, to praise his name. And that's why we're here this morning. We're here to worship God, to worship him for, for who he is and for what he has done for us in the Lord Jesus. Uh, and we're going to be thinking about that this morning as we continue to journey towards Easter. Uh, Neil will be preaching to us uh, from John chapter 18 uh, later in the service. Uh, but as you look at the, the Gospel of John earlier in the Gospel in chapter 8, uh, John says this, he says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is that as we come to know the Lord Jesus and all that he offers us, he offers us freedom. He offers us freedom from our guilt, from our shame, from our addictions, and even from our sins. That we can know the Lord and be free that we may be able to praise him and sing his praises for all that he has done for us. Great, let's uh, spend some time in prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of all, that you are the King of, of kings, the King of all the earth, that we can look to you, that you are the, the King of our lives, of every detail of our lives. And Lord, help us to, to humble ourselves under your mighty power, that we might cast our anxieties onto you. Uh, forgive us for the times, Lord, when we have tried to fix things in our own strength, in our own power and wisdom. And forgive us for the times that we have just worried and refused to give things to you. We pray that you would forgive us for grumbling, complaining, things that we are ultimately lamenting against you. Lord, that we would seek to trust you in everything, that you are the king of our whole life. And we pray that you would help us to surrender our lives to you in every detail, knowing that you are the king and that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you are our father, our heavenly father, and that we can come to you as a child to a father who hears our prayers, who hears our cries, that we can share everything with you as children of God. And we do pray, Father, for many things that we see in the world which, which grieve us, which break our hearts. And we pray, Father, for the continual conflict in Ukraine. We pray for peace there. We pray for for the soldiers fighting, for the people fleeing for their lives. And we pray, Father, that you would bring good out of this evil. We pray for peace uh, to come and that you would bring a resolution there. We pray for the, for the damage and, and death in uh, the U.S. and Mississippi from the tornado. And we pray, Father, for, uh, for your people, for Christians to step in and to, to be light to be able to serve and to show love, to share the goodness of God in a time of fallenness. And we pray for those in our local areas as well, people who are, are struggling, struggling to pay bills, struggling uh, in different ways. We pray that you would help them, would you comfort them, 
uh, and draw near to them. And Lord, as we pray, pray for uh, those close to us, we pray for those uh, at distance as well. We pray for our missionaries, we pray for Renee and Simone Koo as they do uh, translation work with Wycliffe in Germany. We pray, Lord, for their continual work uh, in putting together uh, the book of James and for the recording of that, uh, both online uh, and in different versions. Uh, We pray, Father, for your blessing upon that. We pray for them as they go to South Korea uh, for sabbatical months in June and July. They would spend some some meaningful time there with Renee's elderly mother. We pray for them as a family in Germany um, as they would seek to to walk with you closely. And we give you thanks for Steve and Matilda as well for their ministry with Wycliffe. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be generous and joyful towards giving to to their ministry. We pray that you would help us to encourage them as they uh, seek to translate your word uh, for those who do not have it in their own language. We pray for Dave as well and his preparations uh, for serving longer term, uh, Lord willing, in Papua New Guinea. And we pray for provision uh, financially. We pray for uh, clarity, if it is uh, Papua New Guinea or if it's somewhere else uh, that you would call him to. And we pray, Lord, that you just lead him and guide him in all that, and that he would trust you as Lord and Father. And we pray just for our own giving as a fellowship, that you would help us to give our best to you, Lord, that you would help us to give our, our time, our treasure, our talents to you with, uh, with joy and with generosity. We pray for our leaflet drop as well with the combination, uh, the collaboration with St. Mary's as we seek to uh, celebrate Easter together, uh, celebrating all that you have done for us, Lord, on the cross and in your resurrection. We pray, Father, that you would draw many people uh, to the the services, to the events through Easter, uh, that they would hear something of you and be drawn to you. We pray for this evening's seminar as well, as we think about how to engage with popular culture, how to navigate life in a fallen world. We pray that you would help us to know how to do that best as a result of our time together. We pray for the, the contact Easter service on, on Wednesday for, for Val as she'll speak. And for many, Lord, to, to come along, maybe who have not been before, that they would hear something of you and be drawn to you. We pray for those attending the, the 12 Steps evening on Thursday, that we would have a, a clearer insight as to what it means uh, for people going through uh, this program as they seek to recover from addiction. Uh, would you help us to be able to support and minister to people well who have come from that background? And Lord, as we hear your word read this morning, we pray that you would Help us to to be attentive to it, that we would have soft hearts to receive your word. We pray for Neil as he preaches from John 18, that that we would hear your voice, that we would hear the voice of the Lord Jesus through him. May we be changed and transformed. We don't want to just listen and be informed, but truly be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus, that we would bring you glory for all that you have done for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Now Joy is going to come up and give us a reading. This morning's reading is from John chapter 18, 
starting at verse 28, finishing at verse 40. And it's uh, Jesus before Pilate. So John 18, 28 to 40. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest to the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. And with this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Joy. Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, pray as we come to, to God's word. Jesus said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Father, we pray now that you would enable us to listen to you, to hear Jesus speak to us. And we pray that as we do so, your spirit would guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as he faced his trial, it appeared that he had lost his power and authority, but he claimed his innocence, and he testified that he was telling the truth. No, I'm not talking about Boris Johnson. (laughs) Unlike Boris, when Jesus faced his trial before the, the Roman governor Pilate, he was still in control. He was innocent. He was telling the truth. And in the course of the trial, he says these words. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. 
It's interesting, we're 2,000 years after uh, Jesus said these words, his word, the Bible, is still being used for people to, to swear on as they promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Pilate's response to Jesus was to ask the question, what is truth? What was the truth that Jesus came to proclaim? Why was it so important? Well, parents, whether they are Christians or not, explain to their children from a very young age how important it is to, to tell the truth. Some of you will come across uh, Jordan Peterson, who's been called by the New York Times um, the most influential public intellectual in the Western world right now. He's the author of a book that sold millions of copies called uh, 12 Rules for Life. Unsurprisingly, one of those rules is tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Why? Well, as Peterson explains, and as you will see from this passage, written a long time before his book, the reason that truth is important is that truth enables trust. The reason Boris Johnson resigned as Prime Minister is because people lost their trust in him. Trust is the heart of any relationship, whether it's between a husband and a wife, between a parent and a child, between an employer and an employee, or between friends. If we don't believe someone is telling us the truth, then it becomes hard to trust them, and the relationship will be weak. So if what Jesus said was really true, then we can trust him. But why does it matter whether we trust him or not? Because Jesus made some pretty big claims. And how we respond to them will determine what happens to us when we die and how we, respond, how we will spend the rest of eternity. We need to decide whether or not he was telling the truth. So before we look at the passage, let's uh, just have a recap on where we've got to so far on this journey to, to the cross. Well, Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples have fled, apart from two of them, who, who follow him into the courtyard of the, the high priest. One of those was Peter, who we saw, saw last week, denied three times that he was a follower of Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus was being tried by Annas. At the end of that passage, um, he was sent to Caiaphas, the, the high priest. The account in John's Gospel here doesn't include the trial by Caiaphas, which you can read more about in, in Matthew's Gospel. Now here we go straight to the trial by Pilate, the Roman governor, which is where we pick up the story today. So do follow it with me if you've got your, your Bibles there handy. It's early morning, and the Jewish leaders have taken Jesus to the palace of Pilate. And another lovely touch of irony, John writes in verse 28, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. What that means is they wanted to be clean in God's sight so that they could eat this earthly Passover meal. And that meant they couldn't go into the home of a Gentile, according to Jewish law. What they can't see is that the true Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, is right in front of them. And they're about to sacrifice him. When he dies, he will make it possible for his followers to enjoy the true banquet in heaven. As the Jews here focus on the earthly Passover meal, they are excluding themselves from that 
wonderful meal in heaven itself. However, Pilate um, accommodates their, their religious beliefs and comes out to meet them, asking in verse 29, what charges are you bringing against this man? Well, the somewhat strange and disrespectful reply is, well, if he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. To which Pilate says, well, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But they say, we have no right to execute anyone. It was only the Romans who could do that. And what we see here is that the Jewish leaders had no interest in a fair trial. They just wanted Jesus dead. Then, in a little aside, in verse 22, 32, it says, This took place to fulfill what Jesus has said about the kind of death he was going to die. Many times, Jesus predicted his own death in the form of that death, that he would be crucified. So this little aside here is saying, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, in case you're worried about what is going to happen here, it's all under control. This is part of God's big plan. This is what Jesus came to do. And then we have the great drama where Pilate goes back inside his palace to question Jesus before coming out to give his verdict to the Jews. Chapter 19, he does this another two times. So three times he declares Jesus' innocence. Three times the Jews say, we want him dead. And we'll come back to that next week. What Pilate's trying to find out is who is this person called Jesus? Who does he claim to be? Well, the answer is that Jesus is the heavenly king who has come to testify to the truth. The charge that the Jews have made against Jesus is that he has claimed to be the king of the Jews. And so Pilate asks him directly, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' response is interesting. Um, just as he wasn't phased when he appeared before Annas, he's not phased here either. He responds by asking Pilate a question to challenge him. Was well, that your own idea, he says? Or did others talk to you about me? In other words, what do you really think? Or like a consummate politician, Pilate ducks the question. He says, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. And then he changes tack a little bit with his questioning and says, what is it you have done? And then Jesus answers his original question in verse 36 by saying, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate says, thinking he's called him out. As at this point, Jesus says, you say that I'm a king? In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. So if we bring these two statements together... Jesus is saying, he is the heavenly king who has come to testify to the truth. First thing Jesus is saying is that he's a king, but his kingdom is not of this world. In other words, it's not a political, it's not a geographical kingdom. They don't need passports and border guards here in his kingdom. And also he doesn't have a group of followers who are going to uh, rise up against the Romans and claim that this part of the Middle East belongs to them. He's not like a Barabbas who, who took part, we're told, in an uprising. So what is Jesus' kingdom then? How does it relate to the truth? 
But it goes back to why Jesus, why God made us in the first place. God created the world. He created humankind to, to look after the world, to rule over it, but under the kingship of God. At that time, the first human beings, Adam and Eve, enjoyed a relationship with, with God of honesty, of transparency. All was well in paradise. The problem is that the devil came and undermined the truth. This is what Jesus said about him in chapter 8 of John. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How did the devil undermine the truth back then in the Garden of Eden? How did he deceive Adam and Eve? How does he deceive us today? Well, three ways. First of all, by making them think that God himself was lying. In Genesis 3, we read this. The snake said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from a tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. In other words, don't believe him. Don't trust him. He's lying to you. Secondly, that they could become like God themselves. Verse 5 in Genesis 3 said, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Instead of ruling over the earth under God's reign, Satan is saying is, you can rule over the earth without being accountable to anyone. You can be your own king. That is... Really, what sin is all about is saying, I want to be my king. I don't want God in my life. I will do what I want to do. It's, it's my, my body. I will choose what I do with it. If I want to change my gender, I will, I will do so. They could become like God. And the third way of deceiving them was that to say to them that God did not want the best for them. It says in verse 6 of Genesis 3, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food... And pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Again, how often do people reject God's word or change the meaning of God's word because they think they know what is better for them than God does? Why does God want me to wait until I get married before I have sex? Why does God want me to gather with other Christians? Why does God want me to love him more than anyone else, even my family? And so on and so on. Not only is the devil deceitful, he's very clever with it. And we underestimate him at our peril. We need to know where we are vulnerable. So ask yourself, where are you most vulnerable to the devil's lies? Where is he going to get in and undermine your faith? Well, the reason Jesus said he came into the world was to testify to the truth. It also says in the first letter of John, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The way Jesus would destroy the devil's work was by testifying to the truth. What then is the truth to, to which Jesus is testifying? Well, the truth is that Jesus is the heavenly king. He is the Messiah. He God promised he would send into the world to save humankind. 
you were here a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard Star preached on the first chapter of Matthew, which has that whole genealogy of Jesus, starting with these words. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Later on, as an adult, Jesus asks Peter, one of his disciples, this question, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In the trial before the Sanhedrin, which is reported in Matthew's gospel, the high priest says to Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said so. Jesus replied, but I say to all of you from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. In other words, yes, I am God's anointed king. That is the truth that Jesus is proclaiming. But if he isn't a political king, then what sort of a king is is he? Let's go back to verse 36 of John 18. It says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So he's saying that his kingdom is not limited in terms of a place or a time. It consists of a group of people who who do not belong to one specific time in history or a particular place in the world, but are from all nations, from all times. All those who have submitted to Jesus as their king. All those who have accepted that they've been created by God to rule over this earth, but under his reign. Jesus' kingdom started in Israel as he proclaimed the kingdom of God. Started with the Jews, but then spread to all nations, as God had promised Abraham hundreds of years previously. It's a spiritual kingdom. And if we are Christians here this morning, then we are part of his kingdom, along with all those other Christians throughout the world and throughout history. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but he came into this world to testify to the truth, the truth about God and salvation and eternity, the truth about his kingdom. So the question then is, well, how do we become a part of his kingdom? And why would we want to become a part of his kingdom? Well, we can become a part of Jesus' kingdom if we listen to and accept the truth. Truth is a theme that comes up time and again in the Gospel of John, comes up in many of the the I am sayings that Jesus made. Jesus described himself as the true bread from heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the true vine. In John 16, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Back in John 18, Jesus said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So to become part of God's kingdom, it's quite simple. We need to listen to the words of Jesus. We need to believe in them. We need to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. To believe that his death and resurrection have achieved our salvation. And the problem with the Jewish leaders here is they're not listening to Jesus. This is God right in front of their eyes. He's teaching them from the scriptures, from from the word of God. He's he's healing people. 
He's revealing the truth, but they don't want to hear it. They're comfortable with their idea of how they can be right with God. It involves ceremony and tradition. It involves correct outward behavior rather than a heart of repentance and humility. They may not be enslaved by outward sin. They may be doing everything which is very respectable, but they are enslaved by their own self-righteousness. And Jesus has come to set them free, but they don't want their freedom. They don't have a true relationship with God. They're serving their own interests. Well, that's the Jewish leaders. What about Pilate? I don't know about you, but I have some sympathy for Pilate. He does appear to be asking genuine questions of Jesus. He wants to know who he is, what this truth is. He does seem to have accepted there is some truth in, in what Jesus is saying. But if we accept the truth, we have to, to act on it. He can't sit on the fence like Pilate was trying to do. He seemed to see some truth in what Jesus was saying, but lacked the courage to do anything about it and stand up for it. We'll come back to him next week. The question Jesus put to Peter was, what about you? Who do you say I am? And that's the question we all have to answer. Do you accept the truth that Jesus proclaimed, that he is the true heavenly king? Do you want to become a part of Jesus' kingdom? If so, that means submitting every aspect of your life to him as your king. And that takes time once we've made that first commitment. It's a word that will carry on throughout our lives. But it means we're prepared to keep on listening to Jesus rather than all the, the competing voices that are going on around us. Because there are a lot of them, aren't there? When we read a, a book or a, a newspaper or a Twitter feed, when we watch the TV or a film, a YouTube video, when we listen to the radio or a podcast or just the conversation between people going on around us, all that time we're listening to human voices, those are voices that are coming into to our minds. And if we're not careful, they will drown out the truth of Jesus' words. Because they'll be telling things, oh, well, it doesn't matter really what you believe as long as you believe it sincerely. They'll be telling us, you know, be your own king. Make up your own rules. All sorts of other things. And with all that noise going on, we have to work hard at listening to Jesus through that. God has promised that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. But we need to ask him to do that as we listen to God through reading his word, through hearing it preached. So ask yourself, how much time do you spend listening to Jesus? How much time do you spend getting to know him? How much time do you spend investing in your relationship with, with him? Because unsurprisingly, how much time you spend with Jesus will determine how healthy your relationship is with him. Once we stop listening to Jesus, then... We're making ourselves vulnerable to Satan. And he'll try and do what he's always done by making us doubt that, that God loves us or that he's in control. So if that's how we become and remain part of Jesus' kingdom, it still leaves the question, well, why do we want to? Why do we want to become part of that kingdom? Well, becoming part of Jesus' kingdom means we can enjoy God's faithfulness 
and his freedom. Coming back to where we started, if we know someone is telling the truth, we can trust them. We can enjoy a deep and intimate relationship with them. There's no dishonesty, there's no lies, there's just truth, and that's a wonderful sense of trust. But sadly, there is no human being that we can trust perfectly. There's no human being we can trust like Jesus. I'm sure all of us at some point have been at the receiving end of deceit or lies or unfaithfulness. And it's painful. At the same time, we've all probably been guilty of deceit or lies or unfaithfulness and caused pain to others. God knows what it's like to experience that pain because we are constantly unfaithful towards him. But the good news is that he will never be unfaithful towards us. He's willing to forgive us for our unfaithfulness towards him. And that's what Jesus meant when he said back in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What does the truth set you free from? Well, it sets you free from all sorts of worries and anxieties and addictions and habits that are harmful to us. But ultimately, it sets us free from God's judgment. If you put your trust in Jesus, then you will receive his forgiveness. You will receive his righteousness. You will receive his gift of eternal life. And that gift of eternal life is not just living forever, but enjoying God's love and faithfulness and a relationship with him forever. The truth that God loves you sets you free from having to prove yourself to others, to gain their respect, frees you from having to tell little lies or withhold the truth for fear of losing somebody's respect. Even Jordan Peterson, I don't know whether he's a Christian or not, says this, he says, if you feel weak and rejected and desperate and confused, try telling the truth. In paradise, everyone speaks the truth. That is what makes it paradise. What makes heaven paradise is being in the presence of God. And God is the God of truth who never lies. And for that reason, we trust him and we can enjoy his faithfulness and freedom forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of truth, that you never lie. You're not able to lie. Thank you that you send Jesus into the world to testify to the truth. And thank you that as a result we can trust him. We can trust him with our lives. And Lord, if we haven't yet done that, we do pray this morning that you would cause us to want to do that. To submit our lives to his reign. That we would accept him as king over our lives. And Lord, as we do so, we thank you for the wonderful blessings that that brings that we will know his blessing, we will know his faithfulness, we'll be able to enjoy a relationship with him that lasts forever. So Lord, show us the truth, 
Help us to keep listening to the truth. Protect us from the lies of the world around us. Keep us focused on him, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If the Lord has spoken to you uh, through the service this morning, then please do pray with someone. If there, if there is something that the Lord has laid on your heart, uh, please do pray into that uh, with myself, with Neil, with the person you came with. There should be people with red lanyards as well from the prayer team as well. So please do be, be praying into uh, how the Lord has ministered to you. There'll be refreshments afterwards in the back hall, so please do stay for refreshments as we seek to encourage one another in the Lord in our walk with the Lord as we seek to live for him in every way. And let's pray together as we close. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence because of Jesus, because he has made us holy. And we praise you and give you all the glory for that truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.